Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. You got your Bibles? You're pretty excited about your Bible though, right? You know what I'm saying? You got to have that Biblia up in here. Matthew 14. I know Spanish. Don't play. Modesto. I'm from Modesto. That's a Spanish word. I live in a, in a city that is named after a span. Mod- it means modest, but I don't know about us being modest. Matthew 14. Matthew 14, I'm going to start in verse 22. And this was a text. This narrative is actually one of the first you know, sermons I've ever preached um, from this. And I was praying. I was going back and forth between two different sermons. And I believe God landed on this one on my heart for you tonight. Now, we all know the story, but can I refresh you on this story about how Jesus walked on water and and Peter, we know the story. You're at 5 p.m. service. You, you, you know what I'm saying? You know this. You're extra saved. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know the Bible. You're at church on a Sunday evening, and a lot of you came this morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're good to go. But I'm going to read through it one more time just to refresh our memory, starting in Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Geographically speaking, it was about three to four miles from land. Buffeted by the waves. That's a fun word. Buffeted. Turn to your neighbor and say, buffeted. You should add that to your vocabulary this week. If somebody walks up to you at work, you'd be like, how are you feeling? I feel buffeted. All right? Get out of my face. I'm buffeted right now. Like, it doesn't make sense, but it makes you sound smart. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Another another translation says they were fighting the waves. It's a silly thought, right? They were fighting the waves. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on H2O. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. I feel like Jesus just clicked into like a Marvel movie character, like a hero. Like they're dying, it's an extremely, extremely dim situation. They think it's a ghost and Jesus, all he has to say is, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. You're looking at Jesus like, do something. Take courage. It is I. That's all he says. And, and of course, of course, after he says that, Peter steps up, says, Lord, if it's really you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus said one word, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. We know this story. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, called him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Then they climbed back into the boat. The wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, I need to tell you, contextually speaking, this was the first time the disciples admitted that Jesus was the son of God. They had thought it. They had all the motives secretly in their heart to believe it, but they weren't really sure about it just yet. This was the story that they first declared he is who he says he is. 
Sometimes we have to go through something in our life to really see that God is who he says he is. If life was always good, we may not always see the real Jesus. But how many know you learn who Jesus is? You don't know him as healer until you're sick. You don't know him as protector until you're insecure. You don't know him as your breakthrough until you know breakdown. You know what I'm saying? Jesus sometimes allows us to go through things in our life, not to reveal just our strength, but to reveal his faithfulness and his goodness and his grace. And tonight I want to encourage you. I don't know what it is for you, but I want you to see who God is in the middle of what you're facing. I'm going to read this Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8 in the message. It says, be strong, take courage. Don't be intimidated. Don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down. And guess what? He will never leave you. That's good news tonight, church. Take courage. Why? He's striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He'll never let you down. And his faithfulness means he's going to stick with you through good, through bad, through hell or high water. Does not matter if you got a promotion or you got let go. He's with you. That's the beautiful part about Jesus. I want to talk to you for the next few moments on this. Take courage. This fight is fixed. Take courage. This fight is fixed. Can we pray? Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this incredible church. And I just pray, just use me for the next few minutes to speak, God, into this atmosphere to do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. I don't know if you were like me when I was young. When I got of age, when I grew up a little bit, my, my, my parents would protect me a lot because I grew up in church. Like I grew up on the front row of church. All I knew was church. I could sleep through any sermon. I could sleep through any revival meeting. I grew up eating crackers on the front row, not caring about what was happening. My mom would eventually sometimes turn around and said, Micah, we're in revival. You need to get up and worship. I said, I'm good. Like I got my Game Boy. I'm that old school, right? I had a Game Boy and I was just like, I'm good. Like, leave me alone. And I grew up in church. But when I got of age, because my, my parents protected me from watching certain things. And then, I don't know, maybe I was a young teenager. He, they, I, I turned on to this thing called wrestling. No, 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 no. It's WWE nowadays. But I watched it when it was WWF. You know what I'm saying. A whole bunch of sinners up in here. I watched it with WWF because nowadays, young people, you know, I know like a lot of people like John Cena's the best. I'm like, yo, you don't even know original wrestlers. Like, what about The Undertaker? What about, what about my personal favorite? My personal favorite. Can you smell what The Rock is cooking? I think we got a picture of this beautiful man. Maybe we don't. I'll move on. The Rock. Oh, man, people's elbow, people's eyebrow. I was engaged. I was sucked into this world of wrestling. And then my heart broke one day because someone decided to tell me 
that wrestling is not real. Now, if you just learned that tonight, <laughs> I apologize, but it's time to grow up. So it's like some 37-year-old in here saying, stop it. It's not. And I, I was told it's not real. And I'm like, you're, you're joking. This is, no, it's, I mean, no, Micah, it's fake. Oh my gosh, it blew my mind that I'm watching a fixed fight. And, and I did this for you tonight, church. I decided to go online and I looked up a WWF, WWE, whatever, right? Wrestling schedule. And it was like, I looked at it. So if there was two fighters fighting, they would have a schedule. It would be called a script. So I read this entire script. I wasted an hour of my life for this part of the sermon. It says this in the, in the script. It said it, this was the title fight between two people. It said this about the, it says all this kind of stuff. And then it gets to one point and it said this about the fight of the wrestling fight. It says the outcome of this fight is predetermined, but the flow of the match is left up to the wrestlers. It grabbed me a little bit and God somehow spoke to me through a WWE script. Because isn't it, as believers, we're all in a fight. We're all in a battle. We're all in the ring of life. Our battles look different. They, 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 they see whatever it is you're going through, right? It's different than the person that you're sitting next to. But we're all in some form of, of struggle. What if I told you, as a believer, our outcome is predetermined? But the flow of the match called life is up to you. Which means this. If you're going to get in a fight, you might as well embrace the fight. If the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy, then you need to remind him of the second half of the scripture, which says Jesus has come to give you life and life more abundantly. You may be in a ring. You may be wrestling. You may be struggling. But I'm here to encourage you tonight that this fight is fixed. So now, if the fight is fixed, then why do we live depressed? If the fight is fixed, why do we live striving for more when we already have enough? If the fight is fixed, see, the flow of life is up to me and you. So when we walk around and we don't have the peace of God, it's not anybody else's fault. Because nobody can steal what God created. She's just stealing my, she's not stealing your peace. She's making you think that your peace is being stolen. But no person and no devil in hell can steal what God has given you as a gift. So no man can steal your joy. No man can steal your peace. No devil can steal your calling or your purpose. This fight is fixed. Now, when you fight from a place where you know it's fixed, you fight differently. Because you may be going through a struggle, but you can smile in the middle of the struggle. Because you know, at the end of this fight, I read the end of the Bible. I know what happens in Revelation. It gets weird in Revelation, but I know what happens. That my king is still king. 
He's still on the throne. He's coming back for those that believe in him. And I can look forward to the day where I will spend time in his presence every moment of my life. This is what we have. This fight is fixed. I don't know about you, but I love going out to eat with my parents. Because every time I sit down, I know even if I... At the end, when the check, I even when it even when it comes on the table, I know if I like reach for my wallet, like I'm just doing it out of courtesy. <laughs> I just don't want my dad to be mad at me, right? Like, oh, dad, I'll get it. I promise. No, I'm good. You can you can get it. every time. My dad gets the bill. I'm 31 years old, y'all, and I will still say yes to a dinner. With my dad. Why? Because dad always pays. He always pays. So if I know I'm walking into a situation where I don't have to pay for it, then I'm going to go there every single time. This is life. Your father in heaven sent Jesus to pay for every debt, for every sin, for every fight, for every breakdown. He paid for everything. All you have to do is show up. All you have to do is stand up. See, sometimes you just got to keep standing. A lot of us would define winning as progressing, but sometimes winning is just standing. That I'm not being moved back, but I'm standing on the word of God. And no matter what you throw against me, devil, I'm not moving because I know the word of God. And I know Jesus who's holding me, who secured me. And this is kind of a little bit what happens in this story that we all know about, right? Jesus walks on water. But it starts with this. To give you context, the story before Peter and Jesus walking on water is the feeding of the 5,000. You know where he broke up the in and out and gave it to everybody? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying. We're from California. He feeds everybody. And they said at the end of the feeding of the 5,000, there was 12 extra baskets. And I read the Gospel of John's translation on this. And it said there was 12 extra. And Jesus told the disciples, I don't want you to waste any scraps. Then immediately he tells them to get in the boat and cross to the other side. It, it, it just happens that I put two and two together. I figured that they probably picked up the baskets and they brought them with them in the boat, right? Because he didn't want him to waste the scraps as the gospel of John explains it. And then Jesus does something peculiar. Jesus who knows all. Jesus who knows the future and the pain. He knows everything. He sends them across the lake. It's not a coincidence that they hit a storm, but it is interesting who sent them into it. It took me off guard a little bit because I thought every storm was from the evil one. And I that every storm was, what happens when you're walking with God? What happens when you're saying yes to God? What happens when you're living that life with God, but you still hit something difficult? Because sometimes Jesus will send you into something just to see who you turn to. Because who you turn to first is who you trust the most. So he may send you in a direction that is of God, but the path of God is not always easy. Sometimes he sends us in a difficult way. And this is what happens to the disciples. So here's what's crazy, though, right? 
he goes, Jesus goes off. He's like, look, I need, I need some peace. I'm going to get out of here. These 12 disciples are driving me nuts. I'm going to go to the mountain and pray. Sometimes you got to get away. You know what I'm saying? Like you just got to take a vacay to the mountains and get away. And what happens is the disciples start to freak out in the middle of a storm, right? And you know, preach on storms and we could, we could do the prototypical church preaching on storms, all this kind of stuff. But it still shocks me that the disciples would be would be breaking down when all they had to do was look back at the baskets. Because if you saw the baskets, it would have reminded them that if he did it then, if he provided then, if he came through then, if he broke me out then, if he... If he saved me then, then I know I'm in the middle of it. But I need to realize he may not do it the same way, but his faithfulness will always show up when I need a new way. And I'm here to tell somebody tonight, you need to trust him. Some of our campers, God did something in your life. But in two weeks, you may have a decision to make because you may walk down another road. I want you to look back over your shoulder and said, if God did it for me at camp. He can do it for me now. See, the scraps of yesterday's miracle, we're not supposed to live off of them. But we are supposed to be encouraged by them. It is okay to look over. Don't look to your past. Look to what God did. Then watch you live in a new. So this is, this is what's happening. They, they don't. They ignore it, right? And then they keep going with life and all this is going on and the storm is. And, all the, and then Jesus breaks up the whole thing and he starts walking on the water. He's walking on the water to the boat. And what happened? It, I actually read it and I broke it down. It, it said Jesus actually intended to pass them. It actually says in the original context, he wished to pass them. Are you kidding me? You know, you ever say that to Jesus? Like, where are you, Jesus? What's your issue? I don't know why you speak in that cadence, but sometimes we do, right? Like, come on, Jesus. Why do, why, why do, you, pa- why do you do that for somebody else, but you don't do it for me? And what caught me is I'm like, if you intended to pass them, God, then why did you still respond to them? Because it says they cried out but they didn't cry out in faith God they cried out in fear yes but when you cry out in your current state when you cry out with your current disposition in life when you cry out in your current breakdowns when you cry out when not everything is going good in your life you don't have to cry out in perfect faith sometimes you got to cry out in crippling fear and guess who'll run to you God your God will turn his face. And even they said, it's a ghost. So God turns, it's a ghost, what? And it's amazing because isn't this illustrate that perspective is everything? Because the very thing that was actually coming to save them, they thought was going to kill them. It's amazing that perspective can change everything. It's maybe not what you're in, Maybe it's how you're looking at it. Maybe, just maybe, God is allowing what's happening in your life not to kill you, but to build you. Not to destroy you, but to elevate you. Because I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have been broken down, but I came back stronger. 
I've been messed up, but I stood up taller. In perspective, because, of, because we do this a lot in life, right? We live by sight. And we choose who we date by sight. Come on, single people. Right? If we live by sight, we will just choose the body shape that we like the most. And if we choose, choose sight, then we'll choose the job that makes the most sense. And if we live by sight, then we will choose the friendships that we think that will get us to the next level in our job. But if we live by faith, which means you put the word of God over your eyes. If I live through the lens of scripture, I see that I may, I may not have somebody that likes me right now. But at least my God loves me. Like, why? Because I'm looking through the lens of faith. I may not have a good jawline, but at least I got a spirit line. You know what I'm saying? If I look through faith, I know I'm going to choose the job that doesn't make sense. Why? Because my God told me to do it. And God usually works in ways where I don't understand. If we started to see how God was doing it, we would freak out. That's why we have to trust how God is doing it. And when we put the word of God over our eyes, we live by faith, not by sight. There's too many people living by how they see things. And I don't want you to do that because when you do that, you will call what is a actually your savior. You will actually call it something that is Danger. This storm was never meant to do what you think it's supposed to do to you. But Jesus, in the midst of it, walks up on the water. And then Peter, obviously, then this is, this is where it gets kind of fun, right? Like Peter jumps out of the boat, like, come on, tell me to come. And then people, we usually preach as we preach this part. Like, gee, he gets out on the water. Peter takes a couple steps. He looks at the buffeting waves, and then he just sinks. And then Jesus, he says, save me. And then he reaches out, and he saves him. All this kind of stuff, right? I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on the statement of Jesus. He said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Like, again, they are fighting the waves, which they're fighting something that they will never beat by themselves. I know you're against something that is bigger than what you think you can defeat because it actually is something you cannot defeat without Jesus and they're fighting these waves and Jesus rolls up and says take courage here's what's amazing when he said it did anything change nothing changed Jesus showed up Jesus spoke but nothing changed which tells me this when he said take courage and I had to look up the definition of courage courage means quality of mind or spirit to face something difficult or dangerous Jesus was not speaking to your storm Jesus was speaking to your spirit he may not show up and tell you, I'm going to make everything okay. He may show up and say, I want to be with you in the middle of all of this mess. I know you're going through a divorce, but I'm going to be in the middle of it. Take courage. Maybe God cares more about your spirit than your storm. Oh, help me, Jesus. Oh. Maybe God cares about who you're becoming more than what he can change. Why? Because he wants you to walk with a beautiful spirit. Because everywhere you go, when your spirit is courageous, when your spirit is loving, you will roll through Chick-fil-A and somebody will look at you and say, there's something different about you. You are going through something crazy, but you're still joyful. I don't understand what it is. Maybe God is speaking to your 
spirit. He says, take courage. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, settle down, waves. No, no, no. He says, take, take up a courageous spirit. Courage is not an act. It's a spirit. It's who we are. We have courage. But he says this. He follows it up with an it is I. Take courage. It is I. Original language. He says this. I am. Isn't that enough? Take courage. I am. But God, but you, 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 don't, you don't know what I'm going through. Who's going to pay this? I am. But God, you don't know who's going to heal this. I am. But God, you don't, you don't really, see, you don't really see me. Like you don't know what I'm going through. I'm so, I'm so broken and I'm so depressed. Who's going to tell me that I have a calling? I am. Who's going to tell me though? I, have, I don't have any friends, God. God, who? What friends do I have in this world? Me, because I am your best friend. God, I need a savior. He says I am. God, I need a helper. He says I am. God, I need somebody to lead me through the valley of the shadow of death so I don't have to fear any evil. He is the great I am. Somebody give God praise across this place because you have an I am that is with you through whatever you're facing. Come on. Come on. Even louder. He is your I am. He is your with you. He is your conqueror. He is the one that will bring you through whatever you are facing. Take courage. Take a new perspective. Take a new spirit. This is not for your detriment. This is for your destiny. He wants to build you. And I get the keys up here. Let's make this... Let's make this real good. He <laughs> says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. We could live off that statement alone. And then, after Jesus speaks to the spirit, not the storm, Jesus steps in the boat. When Jesus got in, what happened to what was going out side of the boat? The, sto the storm. Have you ever been in a fight externally and also a fight internally? You come home, you're paying the bills, you're doing what you got to do. You're, you're cleaning the house and you're taking care of the kids and you're getting everybody ready. And you're, you're sometimes tired, but on the inside, nobody really knows what you feel. Have you ever had two fights at once? See, there's an external storm, but there's actually an internal one that God wants to fix first. Because when Jesus got in, when Jesus got in, see, for my life, I thought Jesus was just supposed to show up and make everything better. But when Jesus got in, now, not just knowing about God, actually knowing God. When he got in my boat, when he got in my life, everything, maybe not got better, but everything started to make sense. And I know he's with me, and when he stepped in the boat, everything calmed down. And what's the first thing they did? Peter gets back up out of the water. They go back to the boat, right? And the first thing they do is, 
worship him. Truly, you are. Truly, you are the son of God. What amazes me is nobody turned to Peter and said, yo, I got some new clothes for you. Y'all know you're soaking wet. I got you. I got that on Instagram. That was pretty funny, bro. No, no, no. Nothing like that happened. The first thing he did when he stepped back in the boat, still covered, soaking wet with what he just drowned in, he all he could do was lift his hands. Have you ever had to worship with faith when you're drenched with failure? Have you ever had to worship with faith when you're drenched with insecurity? When you're drenched with your depression, when you're drenched with your addiction, when you're drenched, here's why you can take courage. When the fight is fixed, you can lift your hands and you can worship in your disposition. You can worship in your pain. You can worship in your breakdown. You can worship when it hurts. Why? Because you know the God that is the healer and the protector. You know, you know, I can take courage. This fight is fixed. Come on, can we give God praise? Can we stand to our feet and give God praise? This fight is fixed. This fight is fixed. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to end your life. See, what the devil thought he was doing by killing Jesus was ending his life. But instead, he set into motion the greatest plan of redemption in history. So by the devil trying to end your life, he's not actually winning by trying to end you or distract you. He's just setting off the real you, which is the, the worshiper, which is the praiser. Can you praise when it doesn't make sense? Can you shout the name of Jesus when nobody else wants to shout it in here in the Orange County? When everybody else is concerned about themselves, can you be concerned about Jesus? When everybody else has a spirit that is a me spirit, can you have a spirit that says, I want to see a city know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can you worship in the middle of your humanity? Can you worship even though yesterday you were in a club, but today you're in a church? Can you still lift your hands? And can we do this all across our place? Can we lift our hands to Jesus? Father, I pray tonight that this is not a night we let this word pass by, but we will take courage because the fight that we're in is fixed. If you feel in this place tonight that you needed this word to acquire a new spirit, to take on a new mindset, to take on a new perspective, and you need to know that Jesus is right there with you. Can you just wave your hand at me? That's everybody. That's everybody. That's everybody. So can we do this? Put your one hand on your heart, right hand on your heart, left hand in the air. You'll be like, that's a weird position. It doesn't mean anything. It just means God wants your heart and you're lifting your hand to the one that wants it. That's all that means. Can you say this? Say, Jesus, thank you for being so good to me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for not giving up on me when you should have but tonight God I will take courage I will take on a new spirit because this fight I'm in it's fixed so I choose to worship I choose to lift up your name 
I choose to live for your name because you are everything I need in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody give God a great shout of praise. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.